on cornerofthegalaxy.com. It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, June 19th, LA Galaxy, getting ready to head back home for the first time with everybody in the stadium. Wednesday coming up, June 21st, LA Galaxy Sporting Kansas City. We're going to get you ready for that game. Talk about some of the LA Galaxy news that's going on, some shorthanded LA Galaxy with internationals and all the other stuff. So some little tidbits here, little tidbits there. Maybe not a full hour-long show, but whenever I say that, we usually figure out a way to fill it. So we <coughs> want to get you ready for that game and talk about a whole bunch of stuff. Glad to be back after a little bit off on being Thursday and to help us as he is always just scooting back from Las Vegas, and boy, are his arms tired. Wait, you're flying back from Las Vegas. Boy, are your arms tired. I didn't want to script the joke completely. Yeah, if I said that, I'd get a lot of crap. But look. I, I know. Like, you know. Shirt on it. Weston McKinney. Yeah. You're my Weston McKinney. <laughs> Did you, Mr. Oh, Kevin Baxter, how was how was Nations League and, and everything? Boy, Mexico is terrible, and they fired their coach today. Even though he only lost once in seven games, um, you would have thought they would have given him more of a chance than that, but boy, Mexico looked really bad. Um, uh, bad game from Antuna, bad, bad couple of games from Antuna, actually, but uh, Julian Araujo played pretty well. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was solid at, uh, for most of the game against Panama that Mexico won one to nothing and was involved in the buildup to the only goal of the game in the fourth minute. Um, Allegiant Stadium is my first trip to Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, it has one of those, you know, I don't know how much people know about it, but I always thought it was a turf field. It actually is a grass field and it does the same thing that they do in Glendale where they slide the tray out and let the, the grass there kind of bake in the desert sun and then they bring it back in for the games. Um, the, the game, the stadium kind of looked like a poor man's sofa in, in a weird way. And, you know, as sports writers, we don't, generally mix with the unwashed masses in the on the concourse just because we get there really early and we stay really late and we don't have time to go stand in the concession lines and stuff like that. So our view is pretty much you enter the stadium, you go up in the elevator, you see the press box, you go down for the press conference. And of course you look out and see the stands and everything, but it, it just, it, it kind of had that feel of so far. What was really missing was that big TV in the middle, right? Um, which makes all the difference at SoFi. Um, if, the press box is really super high. The players look like ants down there. Um, so you do. It's another stadium where you wind up watching a lot of the game on TV. I mean, that that happens even at uh, at Dignity Health Sports Park, right? You you go out, you watch a little bit, and then you watch over on the replay to see what actually happened from from up above. But you're right, we're we're much closer 
much closer there. Well, that's that's interesting. Was that is that all the former Galaxy players? Is Antuna and Julian Araujo? Do we have any? Um, were there any others across anything? I'm sure. I'm sure you thought about it for all of two seconds, but yeah. Uh, no, I, I. You know, there was Walker Zimmerman was there, former LAFC player. Um, you know, playing for the U.S. Um, I yeah. didn't recognize anybody from Panama. I don't think there was any. Um, Canada, of course, no. Okay. So, yeah, I think that was it. Two ex-Galaxy players both playing for Mexico. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if the chat uh, digs up anybody else that we've forgotten in there. But uh, yeah, it's, always, it, it's always nice having those guys to backstop me. I kind of wish sometimes they'd be on the copy desk at the time. Like, <laughs> you idiot, this is wrong. <laughs> it, it, it would be nice. I, I know what you mean. Like, it is nice to have somebody who actually knows and, like, you have this this idea of what's going on So all that. Um, interesting, the Galaxy didn't play this weekend. Um, the last time they played, uh, we got to talk about it. That was that one-one uh, draw against in St. Louis, right? So um, it feels like they've been off forever. Uh, it's really only been about a week and a half, but you know, with no weekend game and no midweek game, and I know there were some teams that played midweek games and had some other things going on. It feels like a really long time. We didn't do a show on Thursday, so it feels like I've been off for about a year, year and a half. Uh, whenever we do this, um, but just uh, just interesting. Do you think the time off? helps the LA Galaxy in any way? Is it is it a good breath from the schedule congestion that they're they're going to be facing here very shortly and well, have faced before? I was just going to ask you the same thing because I, I'm calling up the schedule now. I can pull, and, I can pull um, the schedule up. Don't worry. No, I got, I got oh, it right okay. here on my, on my phone. Um, did, I, I, in fact, my column in the Times on Tuesday morning will be about the, the schedule congestion, and it is real, and it is coming, and it um, is something that is going to affect the fans, I think, uh, and and the players and and when you know there's going to be about 200 N, uh, NWSL and MLS regular season games between this weekend and September. We have there I think there's 34 something like that international friendlies. You know with big mm-hmm. international teams coming over. We have the Women's World Cup starts in a month, a month from Tuesday that starts. We have the Gold Cup. Nation leagues just ended. I think this is a problem actually because to grow soccer needs the casual fans. And the casual fans look at at what happened this weekend and said, "Oh, Canada, the U.S., Mexico, and Panama, in the quarter in the semifinals of a tournament. This is exciting. The U.S. won a trophy. Look at you know there was confetti in the stands and people had right. medals. Well, it's going to happen again in three weeks. <laughs> and the semifinals of the Gold Cup is going to be probably the U.S. and Canada, and probably Mexico, and maybe Panama. We don't know, but it'll be largely the same thing. And, and casual fans are going to look up and go, "Is this?" Like the the highlights of the tournament I just saw three weeks ago. Is this in a different tournament? Why are there two tournaments? They're both CONCACAF tournaments. They're both technically regional championship, confederation championships. Why is that? Then we go from that. Gold, Gold Cup ends on a, on a Sunday. Right. That very week, League's Cup starts. Well, League's Cup is probably going to end up with, you know, a couple of Mexican teams, maybe LFC, LAFC in there, maybe Philadelphia. It's going to look very much like CONCACAF Champions League. And again, casual fans, didn't we just see this? Didn't we just see Leon play LAFC? Right. What's going on? So there's enough, there, there's too many games. LAFC, and I, I say LAFC because they went six games or, or eight games into CONCACAF Champions League. So they will play the most games. They could play 56 games this year. The Galaxy, not too far behind because right. they had a couple of cup games. If they go all the way through League's Cup, if they get in the playoffs in the playoff game, then the three round, three game first round, they could play over fifty games. That's just too much. Yeah. The Galaxy with this little break, I think it really helps them. But um, you know, even with Gold Cup, they've lost Jalen Neal to Gold Cup. They, Eric um, Zavaletta yeah. to Gold Cup because because yeah, El Salvador as well. Yeah. So, yep. So two players to play the same position really going to hurt that depth going right. into this big fixture crunch. 
Um, you know, they've moved the, the, the opening game back to July 4th, so it fits right in what already is a crowded schedule. Yep. Um, I, I talked to some people about it. Clint Dempsey was one guy uh, I interviewed because he was working the games for CBS um, in in Las Vegas. And he said he doesn't like it at all, that he just thinks that with especially an MLI, he said, you look at the schedule and maybe if you're Manchester United, they played 55 or 56 games this year, too. Maybe you look at the schedule and you say, OK, Manchester City, rather Manchester City, Manchester United, Liverpool, they can do this because they don't have the travel. Dempsey's thing is like we're traveling across the continent, four time zones, the heat in Houston, um, you know, the, the altitude in a couple of places. Um, it's he, you know, his thing is just that it's just too much. Yeah, it, I I mean, it, it, it feels like it. I will say that, um, you know, it already. And I know that there was an interview in The Athletic and they were talking with the head of the MLS Players Union. Right. And the guy who's faithfully represented the, uh, the, the Players Union for a while now. Um, and he was going through a lot of positives, a lot of things they're going through. And they're saying, hey, we're doing all this stuff. And then he talked about the, the, the games, the schedule congestion. And it's like eventually they, it, you know, I think he feels like and while they don't have an official position, eventually he feels like they're going to have to collectively bargain for the amount of games that they have because you can't continue this. And let's be very clear. MLS rosters, while I believe they've gotten deeper with targeted allocation money, allowing to, to, to firm up some of the center of the of the roster, Kevin, maybe maybe the middle, the, you know, right above the absolute absolute highest. Now you have this section that's a little bit lower and that's sort of firm that up. You still don't have 30 guys on a roster who are all capable of competing on a team. The LA Galaxy don't. Most teams don't come anywhere near it because the roster rules don't allow it. Right. Well, that's something I write about tomorrow. And, and again, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to have to use LAFC as an example because that's the team that I broke down. But when they brought in designated players and, and allocation money, the idea was to sign big, talented players. It was a way to get a Beckham or a Messi or that kind of stuff. Those were the players that was aimed for. Now you see there's a lot of teams that only have two designated players. Some only one. Why? Because they have the allocation money and they can go get other top-end players. My point is with the salary um, 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 rat, workarounds, it works at the top end. You get the talented players. You get the the attackers for the most part, not defenders, but you get the attackers. You LAFC has seven millionaires on their team, two thirds of the roster, twenty players on their thirty man team, making less than one hundred and twenty five thousand. So that's the problem. The, the the rosters are too top heavy. Right. There's not enough depth. And when you're playing this many games, you're going to need that depth. And and so either the soccer is going to get to be very poor, right. the quality is going to be right. very low, and then you're going to go into the playoffs with guys running on fumes. And that's when you want the exciting playoff games. You want players at the top of their game. Some of these guys are going to limp in there. Yeah, I, I would say that, um, you know, in that in that article and in that interview, they were sort of talking about the U.S. Open Cup. It's like what what has to give in order for them not to play this many games? And it's like League's Cup actually probably has a pretty good following, right? That's coming up. And so League's Cup is probably going to be pretty popular. So what's the thing that's sort of on the outside? What's the thing that didn't that was difficult to watch? What's the thing that, you know, was being played on maybe some subpar fields and subpar stadiums, that type of thing? And they were talking about the U.S. Open Cup and whether or not MLS stays in the U.S. Open Cup. Don Garber at a U.S. soccer uh, board meeting had voiced his his concern about the level of the U.S. Open Cup and whether or not MLS would be continuing as part of the Open Cup. And the problem, Kevin, is that while MLS is the upper tier of soccer in the United States, um, that we I think we understand that soccer in the United States is growing and expanding in the lower levels and the U.S. Open Cup gives you a chance to experience that. And that's great. But if MLS pulls out of that, then the U.S. Open Cup becomes illegitimate. It's no longer right. no longer something to play for. 
I think Garber has really tipped his hand to that. He made that statement about, you know, we don't need to be playing in the U.S. Open Cup. NASL did not play in the U.S. Open Cup, by the way. Mm-hmm. And then uh, right before the CONCACAF Champions League, I had a chance to talk to Don, and, and he said um, – he admitted there's fixture. There, there's too many games. There's fixture congestion. I'm like, you just added League's Cup. Right. I mean, how can you complain about too many games when you just added a 47 team tournament? It's exactly what it is. No one will say that. Right. But it's money. If there's, if there's a Gold Cup in a Nations League, that's twice the number of sponsors, twice the TV revenue, twice the games, twice the gate. Um, and and you know, League's Cup is exactly the same thing. Yes, it's redundant with Concacaf Champions League in a lot of ways, but it's different money. Um, so when he said, on one hand. There's too many games, but I'm adding League's Cup. I think what the, the message to take from that is we're going to cut out something else out. And it's got and the statements he made uh, really suggest to me that it won't be too much longer before MLS pulls out of U.S. Open Cup. Do, do you really think we're going to have Messi playing on a high school field in Oklahoma because they're playing some second division team? I mean, part of me says, no, that's ridiculous. And part of me says... That's sort of the magic of the U.S. Open Cup. And that's what you want to see is you want to see these big teams going to. The problem is that in a lot of places where they do sort of these, you know, intercontinental cups between the different divisions, that the stadiums and everything can support that. Right. The second division of soccer is still a robust professional uh, operation here in the United States. You go down to USL championship and. There's some that are absolutely professional organizations and there's some that are absolutely not professional organizations. And that gets worse as it goes down the level. And so you really can be, as you said, you can have Messi playing at some high school uh, if the cards fall that way. And while that would be fun, right, because can you imagine all these people going and hanging on the fence to watch Leo Messi play at some high school? I mean, the spectacle of it sells itself, right? It's it's magical in those ways. Um, but y- you also have to have some standards of where well, you want to place MLS. Is it OK for MLS to show itself at a place like a high school stadium to drop itself to that level? Is that good for the league or is that bad for the overall perception of the league? Well, and, and we don't get the feel of what you're talking about. I mean, I think there is a team in Oklahoma that does play at a high school um, uh, community field. But we, we've got big clubs here. we got Todd Donovan, Sacramento Republic, almost went to M- MLS. We have um, Orange County Soccer Club. We have San Diego Loyal with Landon Donovan. We have good, legitimate second-tier clubs. But, but there are other places where you don't have that. And I think you see a lot of uh, MLS teams and great coaches, guys like Chirondolo and Brian Smetzer, who looked at this coming schedule with League's Cup and the fixture crunch – and at U.S. Open Cup, what did they do? They yeah. played their second. They, they played their MLS Next Pro. Galaxy remember team. that very well, right? They got to play both of those those MLS Next Pro teams. And but I mean, you go back to the original U.S. Open Cup hater, Bruce Arena. Remember, Bruce didn't travel to go with the team, and he let let Dave Sarakin <laughs> yeah. do the yeah. do, do the thing. I mean, Which the original hater. Dave Sarakin's no. really Dave's great, but like at the same time, your head coach is like, I'm not going back to North Carolina to lose on that field again, right? It was one of those uh, whenever they were traveling back east every time and that was ridiculous because why should the galaxy have to travel all the way across the country in order to play it it was it was you know they've regionalized some of that which means now that every u.s open cup time you get la galaxy versus lafc right that's like that's the other default so it's also the bad thing so maybe the tournament doesn't work anymore but certainly there's not enough money in it from the mls side of things to really sort of sit there and say oh yeah this is a tournament that we feel we need to prioritize and like i said bruce knew that starting back in 2009 whenever he took over the galaxy because when seattle came down here with with that team and when lafc went to monterey with with all of their academy guys 
it, it was just the LAFC laundry, you know, or the Galaxy or the Seattle Sounders laundry. Right. It wasn't the Seattle Sounders players. Right. And and that's but I mean also maybe that's what that competition is. Just send the B teams. Just send the B teams and however the cards fall, they fall. And that's how you use it to develop. But it, it can't it, it's it's difficult to take it seriously, especially after they lost uh, the the media rights with sort of ESPN. And I thought CBS did an OK job with it, but it was still like click on this link, then go over here and click on this in order and then just open up this window in order to get to the game. And it's like you're never going to get it if it's going to be that hard to dig around and find. Well, let me ask you a question about fixture crunch from another angle. Yes. Uh, it's exhausting to the players. Yes. And it, it's just too much. Yes. Okay. Uh, I think everyone can agree mm-hmm. to that. But then to the fans, I mean, this is going to be another summer of soccer, and they're going to have all these great games for us to watch. I, I do not watch a lot of soccer when I'm not at the stadium. Right. I, I kind of get away from a little bit. I know that you consume a lot of it, and Eric does too. Eric has about 9,000 different cable packages or streaming packages. So my question to you is, when League's Cup was announced at the same time as the Women's World Cup, I, I went on social media and talked about how I thought that was a stupid idea, that the men's tournament was going to compete with the women's tournament. And everyone's saying, no, no, they're at different times. But you tell me as a soccer consumer, you might watch a Women's World Cup game. Yes. And you might watch a League's Cup game or two. But are you going to really sit there for 40 through 47 games through two month-long tournaments and watch five or six games a day? I don't think so. Something is going to suffer. So one of those mm-hmm. two tournaments is going to lose viewers. Well, I'll tell you, you know, just with the schedule change for MLS and whenever they have all these multiple concurrent kickoff times, I've watched less soccer this year than I ever have. And granted, I have done that with an eye towards longevity of being able to continue to cover the LA Galaxy and also step away from watching every single game and every single thing that's going on. It gets to be too much. Um, you know, I think it's fun whenever the world cup comes around because yeah, you have games going on every day and it's fun, but that's in a concentrated, that's a concontrated set of times. Soccer, right. All well, the leagues are done. Well, you know, they're they're Usually that's the case. MLS yeah. usually is playing during that and doing all that stuff. And so you have some of that, but it's like the world cup. It happens once every four years and you can do it or once every two years, if you're switching off between the men and the women and doing all that stuff. Right. So I, I can see it. Um, you know, quite honestly, I think MLS needs to, and I think Apple needs to go back and stagger their start times more again. I think that they should be playing on Saturdays and Sundays. And this is not an opinion I had whenever they originally announced, oh, these games are going to be played on Saturdays and, you know, mostly Saturday nights and mostly Wednesday. Wednesday night is fine, but Saturdays and Sundays, you know what? There should be some Sunday games that I can catch whenever I'm done, you know, just sort of like, hey, there's going to be a Sunday game on, you know, that type of thing. Um, so I do think that there is something to it that when there's so much soccer to watch, you're always competing for the eyes of everything. Um, but I I think there is a fatigue that will set in, uh, with all the stuff that's going on. I can't possibly, you can't possibly find me excited about the gold cup, Kevin. I I so don't care. It's and and, and you're, and you're a big soccer fan. And so you're the demographic that they're going for. And so if you're a soccer consumer in LA, are you going to spend, I think it's, it's a hundred bucks to get into the to the, to the game at the Rose Bowl, uh, you know, the I think it's it's the the third place game from the UEFA Champions League. So it's going to be Milan against uh, Real Madrid. Great players. Are you going to spend the money to go to that? And if you do spend the money to go to that, that means you can't spend the money to go to the Gold Cup, which is the week before um, at SoFi Stadium. And if you spend the money for those two, then you don't have any money to spend to go to Galaxy games um, or Angel City games. Right. So. I mean, there is a limited attention span. There's yes. a limited amount of time to watch games, yes. and there, and you yes. have limited income to go pay for those games. And I think that if it, it it's not the same to have four crowds of twenty five thousand 
versus one crowd of 100,000. That, that one crowd of 100,000 creates that excitement. And I think when you start dividing the audience, um, I just don't think it's a good I, there, there is such a thing as too much. Well, uh, with the Gold Cup coming up, and I actually went and pulled the schedules just so I can make sure I got everything right. Uh, but group stage is starting on June 24th, um, going all Saturday. the way. Yeah, yeah, Saturday coming up quickly, right? USA, Jamaica. Didn't they just, didn't, didn't the USA, like you said, didn't they just ho- ho- hoist a, a, a championship, a trophy? They had medals on. Everybody was excited. It was and a big thing. Haiti against traditional CONCACAF power cutter. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hey, they always invite somebody in. So anyway, uh, group stage is June 24th to July 4th. Quarters July 8th to July 9th. Uh, semifinals on July 12th and then the final July 16th, right? So you have that going on. Um, it, it is going to take away uh, Jalen Neal for a certain amount of time, and it is going to take away Eric Zabaleta for a certain amount of time um, in that. Uh, I believe Leardam will be back from international. I am very interested to see if Dayon Jovalich somehow makes it back to play on Wednesday night uh, for Serbia uh, because he played in one game, had two goals, by the way, in I think about 10 minutes, um, came in, did the whole thing, and was really, really good. If you hear my son screaming in the background, don't worry about that. Um, and so, was he watching, is he watching the day on yeah, highlights? Yeah, I think he was. No, he's very angry. He's probably watching Efrain Alvarez highlights. There weren't that many of them. Um, and so uh, if it, he played very well, came in. But again, super sub role, comes on, scores two goals in 10 minutes, takes the game from 1-0 down to uh, to 2-1 win um, and, and helps Serbia advance. And then they have a... Uh, a qualifier coming up on, I think, Tuesday. So tomorrow, uh, we're recording on Tuesday at like 10 a.m. So it's early. So he can technically go and make it back. I, let's just put it this way. I would not be surprised if Dayon Jovalich is back and ready to play for the LA Galaxy on Wednesday night. It wouldn't surprise me. Would it surprise me if he didn't make it back and that Greg decided he didn't want to play him and didn't want to risk him? Yes, that, would, that wouldn't surprise me either. Those are equally a thing. But there's something about Dayon Jovalich, his youth, the way that he likes to fight, the way that he is sort of determined to do things, that it wouldn't surprise me if he pulled a Robbie Keane, Kevin, and flew back on the plane, slept the whole way, got here, did some stretching, and went out and played and started for the LA Galaxy, which would be very what? interesting to see. Well, because he knows that this is his opportunity with Chicharito out. This is, you know, and they haven't, they haven't signed anybody yet. That could happen. They could sign somebody, and then all of a sudden, you know, we don't know who they would sign. It possibly Dayon loses some playing time to that new person. We don't know. What Dayon knows right now is he's the guy, and if he's not there, um, and if he's there, he gets to play. By the way, one last note on the on the fixture crunch yeah. before we get away from it. It's not going away. We might we might limp through this season and get to the finish line and say, "Wow, that was exhausting." Guess what? Do it Next again. year, I. Leagues Cup is back, and we're going to have Copa America here That's right. in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So not only is it there's no Gold Cup, no Nations League, but there is Copa America, which will is you know probably the second biggest club uh, national team tournament after well third biggest right after the World right. Cup and the Euros. Right. Um, and it'll be here all over the country for over a month, um, and that'll be competing for your pocketbook and your eyeballs and your attention and your interest. Um, it's going to be a lot. I mean, it feels like it feels like it's being if it's like being dumped on top of you. Right. I mean, that's what it feels like. There's a lot. Now, I'm actually excited about Leagues Cup. I want to see how it sort of plays out. I think it's going to be a very popular tournament, so it wouldn't surprise me. But let's look at the Galaxy schedule just in terms of what is uh, is coming up. Sporting Kansas City home game on Wednesday. Then three days later, L.A. Galaxy in Colorado. Always a difficult place to play at altitude against the Rapids. Uh, That's on June 24th. Uh, We head over to July and then July 1st. 
uh, very quickly at San Jose, at Stanford Stadium, um, and then home three days later, July 4th, at the Rose Bowl, Apple TV free, right? That's LA Galaxy, LAFC. This is the makeup game on July 4th. Um, that's a ridiculously tough schedule just to sort of play, to go to Colorado, then San Jose, then to be home, but not home at the Rose Bowl in front of what we expect to be a pretty massive crowd, especially with boycotts over and everything else. LA Galaxy and LAFC July 4th, all right? Then it is July 8th, LA Galaxy versus Philadelphia. Oh, Philadelphia. Those guys, <laughs> Kevin, I've heard those guys are kind of good. Philadelphia, yeah, they're they're okay sometimes. Yeah, I know. They've been struggling a little bit this year. They have. They have. Uh, there's some interesting stuff I want to talk about in terms of uh, Jim Jim Curtin <laughs> and, and Ernst Tanner and, and what they're doing um, uh, with, uh, with their contracts and whether or not uh, they will be staying with Philadelphia or, or, or not. Um, if we look at Vancouver, uh, then we have Vancouver, away, the LA Galaxy away to Vancouver on July 15th, then the LA Galaxy getting the League's Cup. Um, this one is LA Galaxy hosting Leon, and then LA Galaxy hosting Vancouver, this time in League's Cup and not in uh, regular MLS season. And then you'll have the further rounds of League's Cup should the LA Galaxy advance, top two teams in each group advance. So one team would fall out of that. We'll see. It could be the LA Galaxy with the way that they're playing. Uh, and then you have the LA Galaxy traveling or hosting Real Salt Lake on August 20th. That's whenever league play resumes. August 26th, LA Galaxy hosting Chicago. And then August 30th, the Galaxy will head back up to play San Jose at PayPal Park once again. So that's sort of the way these next couple of months go. Very, very difficult things to sort of um, to, to sort of quantify in terms of the number of games. And with League's Cup, Kevin... There's there's more games. The more you win, the more games you play. And so the further on in the tournament, the more games that you're going to play. There are some teams that will play all the way through the entire League's Cup tournament, putting on multiple teams, multiple games all the way through and then jump right back into league play whenever that's over. Um, well, and that's when we talk about fixture crunch. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about those teams that play all those games, the good teams, um, the, the teams that don't play all those games. They're affected, too, because they get like two and a half, three weeks off in right. the middle of the season. Now you say, OK, that's good. You get to rest. Yeah, but you get out of rhythm. So they their problem is not so much exhaustion; right. it's the lack of rhythm, and it's it's interesting because you say those teams that that win and advance go through; those are the best teams. So the reward for being one of the better teams play is more games. You, get, you well, you play more. <laughs> oh, we lost. You play for trophies right. and, and for money, but yeah, you wind up playing more games. Yeah. And, and you wind up getting exhausted and you wind up injuries and and all those kind of things. But by the way, I think this week is really important for the Galaxy because they built some momentum. Um, you, by the way, you say everyone's going to be back on Wednesday. Well, Chris Klein won't be back, which is, I think, the reason the other people are back. But in any case, they played well in St. Louis. Tough place to play against a really good team, and they, they came out of there with a point. If they build on that against a poor Kansas City team and a really poor Colorado team, you know they should get at least four points, if not six, out of those two games. If they do that, that might be that turnaround, that U-turn we were looking for. Um, if they squander that, because right now they're they've got that momentum. If they squander that momentum, then I think we can sit back and say, "Yeah, this is going to be a long season." I mean, it already it, it, we you know we sort of turned to that. It was funny because I was mentioning Philadelphia and Jim Curtin, head coach, um, and then uh, Ernst Tanner, right, is the the GM uh, for that particular club as well. And there's lots of Galaxy fans who are tagging me, going, "Oh man, we need to get these guys." And I sit there and I just I bang my head against the desk, and I'm like, "Do you realize that you would be replacing one system coach, which is Vanny, for another system coach in in Jim Curtin?" And not only that, that you would you would want Jim Curtin to to reproduce what he was able to do in Philadelphia. 
And if you know anything from Jim Curtin's time in Philadelphia, you know that it was a very slow, deliberate climb in order to get that team to where it's been the last two to three years, right? Like it didn't happen overnight. And so I I keep telling people this and I, I don't think people understand it. You have played the game where you have fired a coach every time and switched a system and fired the coach. Anolfo fired. Siggy Schmidt, fired. Dominic Kinnear came in as, as interim. He didn't get the job either of those times. You got Guillermo Barra-Scalotto, fired. You had Dennis Teclosa in, fired. You had Pete Vianis, fired. I'm going to tell you something that you're not going to want to hear. You need to find somebody and stick to them. All right. It hasn't been for the fact that all those coaches were horrible. In fact, I think most of those coaches are pretty good coaches. The problem has been the infrastructure of which you've allowed no cl- no no coach to build. Greg Vanny has had more foothold in the infrastructure than any coach since Bruce Arena left. Right. And so you're you're allowing him to build his system. If you get rid of him and then you go and you get somebody you want Jim Curtin. Cool. Bring Jim Curtin in. Anybody else. It doesn't matter who you bring in. You start over again. It's like it's like every time you go up, you take two steps forward, two steps back. That's what continues to happen here. I'm not saying Greg Vanny is on an endless rope. And that was one of the things that you and I sort of wanted to talk about as well is where does he lie right now? There's no president above him to fire him. The only person who can fire him right now is Dan Beckerman, right? The we've heard rumors that the L.A. Galaxy might be splitting the president's role, one on the business side, one on the soccer side. I don't know how that happens whenever you have things that cross and who votes or outvotes each other. To me, there's always should be one guy at top whose whose job it is to say yay or nay or anything else or that you can point the blame to. Usually that's best for accountability. But I understand two different parts of things going on. So Greg Vanny coming out of this, how one, how much longer does Greg Vanny get to implement his plan? And two, how important is that Sporting Kansas City game then if you think that there is a limit to the to to how long Greg Vanny stays? Well, he has to show some results, and I don't mean that with wins and losses. I mean that the team's moving forward, that the structure's moving forward. By the way, that two presidents thing would work if somebody above them was someone like a, a very powerful sort of um, – um, um, I guess powerful is the only word I can think of. Someone like Tim Lywicki. Right. Someone who was very engaged and powerful and, mm-hmm. and, and had an opinion. I don't see Dan Beckerman as that kind of person. I see Dan Beckerman more as sort of an, um, uh, you know, uh, an, ex- an executive who sort of just kind of sits back and lets things happen. A uh, Tim Lywicki over those two guys, I think that would work. But going back to, to, to Greg, when Greg came in, from what we understand and what we've been told, you know, there really wasn't a scouting system in place. He got Mikey Stevens and started working on, on that. So there wasn't a scouting system in place. The academy was a mess, according to what we've been told. He's now in charge of the academy. He's putting in a lot of things uh, in the academy, and he's trying to build that. That's what he did in in Toronto. That was his first job. That's what he went to Toronto to do before he became coach. So you have Greg, and he brought in a whole sports science staff that he wanted. He brought in his, his uh, coaching staff. Virtually everything that is here – he had to build in the last two and a half years. Um, it's difficult to do all those things and be excellent at everything at the same time. Did the galaxy suffer? Was the galaxy the one thing that he couldn't focus on enough? I don't know. But my point is he had to build a lot of things. And I, I think you're act- absolutely right. You got to give him a little time to see if any of this works, but you got to give him a lot of help too. Uh, and I think that's going to be coming. I think we've seen that already with Will Koontz. He needs to have someone that he can trust in the academy. He can't do that. He can't run the academy and the team. That's just too much. He needs to have somebody in scouting, and I think he does with Mikey Stevens, but I think he needs more help in the in the scouting department. 
someone that he can trust, that he can say, go get me a left-footed winger who speaks French or whatever he wants. Right. And then they go get that person. Greg can't be doing that. Um, and so he needs to, to continue to build out that infrastructure. It can't happen overnight. I think he's got a good start, but you're right. You've got to give him a little bit of time. I, I would guess that what this is his third season, right? Mm -hmm. I would, at, from the way most MLS teams work, probably a three, three year contract. So is he playing for a new contract this year? Probably. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I think, I think that sort of puts it. And by the way, I don't think it's endless, right? I, Greg will be the first one to tell you that if you're building out a, a philosophy or a plan or anything else that you need to have success during that time in order to, to further that along. Right. Um, my whole thing is that I think it's been fairly clear that there were some things that were hampering him. Um, and now some of those things have gone away. So now it's like, okay, do you, you know, do you let the, do you let the cage bird free and see if the cage bird can fly now? Um, and so there, there's all these things. I think it's delicate balance. I don't think you can do anything until you put in either a GM or a president on the soccer side. Um, because I think you have to sort of sit there and, and understand the position that the LA Galaxy are in in terms of infrastructure, right? Where are they in, in terms of implementing all of Greg's things? And can you then get rid of him and maintain the advances that you've already made, right? Do you have those systems in place to be able to take it? So if you are done with Greg Vanny, you need to be very, very sure that he doesn't take the laptop with him whenever he leaves that has all of the infrastructure stuff that they built out, all the scouting, all the ghost teams, all that stuff. It has to be property of the LA Galaxy. And I think earlier, whenever he came in, he actually mentioned that, yeah, it was on like somebody's laptop and then they left. And so then you didn't have any, this was about performance data, I think. So when they left, they had, they took all the performance data with them because it was on their laptop, right? That, those types of things. So somebody has to come in and order the house first, if you're going to get rid of Greg Vanny, right? And um, I think that's super important. That has to be done. That's why implementing and getting a president involved here sooner rather than later is very, very important. You need that organizational understanding before you start throwing people out windows. Well, and, and the other part of that is, is you have to remember, too, firing a coach if you decide to do that. And I don't think that's the right solution right now. But if you do do if that's where you want to go, you need to have a better person to replace that coach. Just that's only firing the coach is only half of the problem or half of the, 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 the attempt to find a solution. The, the thing that's really good that I like about the way the galaxy are starting to set themselves up now is they're not, the people they're bringing in, I don't think are sort of protecting the flag anymore. The right. galaxy is a mess. Yep. It's not, it's not the team that, that Kurt and inherited. Um, the galaxy are a mess. So you bring, you're bringing in young, uh, aggressive people who want to make their name. These yep. are people that are on the way up. When you look at a Will Koontz, when you look at a Mikey Stevens, those are people that are going to gamble. They, they want to make a big splash, and they want to be the guy that turns this around, and, and they're they're dedicated to doing that, and that, that's all to the good because they're very smart people, and there's a good chance they're going to succeed, but they're not going to play it safe. And then on the business side, to bring Tom Brown in, I think a super intelligent guy, you know, really on the ball, um, a guy that it you know has a lot going for him, and another guy that is aggressive. You know, he put he put that that uh, international tournament together last year. Ninety three thousand people at the Rose Bowl. Yep. Most people would have said, "Oh, we can't do that. There's no way. There's right. there, people aren't going to come out and pay that money." Guess what? Ninety three thousand was the biggest uh, soccer crowd in the U.S. since I think twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen. Right. That was Tom Braun's idea, and I'm sure a lot of people told him, "No, it's not going to happen," and it did. Right. And that's the kind of guy that you want in that position. What's not, not what do you think is possible? What, how far can we reach? Yeah, yeah. And if we miss, if we if we don't get to to ten 
but we get to eight. That's still pretty good. Right. It's better than what we were. Yeah. Don't don't let perfect be the enemy of the good. Right. There, there's there's some of that, too, which is sort of like, oh, no, we can't do it because it needs to be perfect. No, it needs to be good. And you can improve on good constantly. So uh, Chewy, by the way, five dollar super chat said, miss you guys on Thursday. Glad you guys are back. Would that 18 year old from G2 uh, player forgot his name be available for Wednesday? Johnny Perez um and jonathan perez uh went away with mexico for their u23 men's national team uh playing in a french tournament um and that took place on june 5th to 18th and today's the 19th so i imagine jonathan perez johnny perez would be back um and and available for the la galaxy but he has been spending most of his time so far this year with g2 so um you know interesting to sort of see that that in his progression who knows i didn't know i didn't see any reports of how he played in the uh in the in the tournament with mexico um but i would be interested to hear if he played really well and if that sort of spurs him on to get some more first team minutes and everything else i know the coaching staff watches all those tournaments and does all that things uh potamus uh, asked a good question i think this is uh, perfectly reasonable how many clubs stick with a manager with this with these performances this season perfectly adequate question to ask um, Kansas City did, and they turned it around. Peter Vermees has they, been there, been there forever, and guess yeah, what? They got they healthy. Awful. Yeah, they got. They, they made the Galaxy look like Manchester City. At, at one mean, point, they were propping up the bottom of the table, and now they're in tenth wow. place. They're they're just a couple points out of a playoff spot. They're seven points ahead of the LA Galaxy. Uh, a real good spurt over about nine games. We'll talk about them. One of the hottest teams in Major League Soccer right now, is Sporting Kansas City. Um, but still, a team the Galaxy should be. But to answer that question, I know yeah, you're doing. Yeah. It, I'm going to jump in and say. Uh, I think rightly people looking at it and saying, now that the Klein thing has been resolved, now that a lot of that stuff's being resolved, now they're starting to put some people in place, a Will Koontz, people like that. Um, he, it, it, I don't think he gets a restart. I don't think we we do it over. It's right. not a mulligan. Right. But I think he gets a little bit of extra time because of that. And and I think we need to wait till the end of the season to reevaluate this. I, I, I would, in my heart, I think Greg Vanny is and should be safe to the end of the season. And let's see what happens with some of that structure. And if it doesn't, you know, if he comes in and says, throws his hands up, so I got no clue how to fix this, then maybe you make a move. But if he says, look, I got my academy guy in here now. Will Koontz has got some great ideas. We hired a new scout. Right. Then maybe he earns a little bit more time. Yeah, I, I think there is going to be. I, I've been saying it and I'll continue to say it. There was a tremendous amount of pressure put on everybody that on the playing side of things whenever Chris Klein tied his fate to the success of that club. Um, it was extra pressure you don't need to heap on it. And I know people are like, they're professional athletes. They're used to pressure. Not in this way. You put people in situations they're not used to dealing with, which is having to talk and worry about the fans that come in. I mean, whenever you're bad, you have to worry about the fans. But whenever you have to be careful about how you talk, and a lot of them weren't careful, whenever you have to be careful about how you talk about the fans that were boycotting and that weren't there to support you and that the stadium atmosphere was was rather, you know, dead um, on many occasions um, in that stadium it's a difficult place to put them in. They don't know how to handle it. And professional athletes thrive on the known being in those positions before thriving in those positions, understanding that they know how to conquer these particular challenges. Well, you put Greg Vanny in a position that nobody's been in. Uh, you put the entire transfer staff in a position that nobody's been in, which is having to do all your business in the first transfer window. You put a tremendous amount of pressure on that window. And whenever it doesn't quite pan out the way that you need, because you're not going to make those emergency signings. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. And they weren't going to make emergency signings. I heard that there were all sorts of things being thrown against the wall, all sorts of crazy ideas to make the transfer window at the end, something that they wanted to do. And they, they, they purposely backed off and said, these are not good long-term solutions for us. We're not going to make them, um, which it would be, by the way, 
if that is true, and let's put that, that's hearsay. I've heard that. Nobody has told me that specifically. That, well, let's put it this way. A bunch of people have told me that specifically, but the people who, who may have actually made those decisions have never said this. But if that's true, huge growing moment for what the LA Galaxy have done because we've seen them panic. Jonathan Dos Santos was a panic. I'm 100%. We've, we talked to, we've talked to people about that and how it happened. You know, um, So when you see those Michael things... Michael Ciani was a panic. Yeah, Michael Ciani, right? The whole thing. I mean, look at Chicharito now, right? With Chicharito being out. And I know there were people in the chat room asking, you know, has he been placed on the season-ending injury list? He will be. And and it probably already has, and it's just not an announcement they're going to make until they sign somebody else if they do it. But bottom line is that you would limit your options if you didn't put them on the season-ending injury list, and then you would it, that would be stupid. In fact, people should be fired if Chicharito isn't put on the season-ending injury list, unless suddenly they realize he didn't have a torn ACL or whatever <laughs> or whatever it is, right? And he can come back next week. Then then that's the only reason you shouldn't put him on the season-ending injury list. But well, but they're to going answer, to put it on there because that gives them the most flexibility, even if they decide not to replace him, Kevin, because they don't want to be tied into a long term contract with a designated player that maybe isn't the perfect fit for them or anything else. Even if they did that, um, even if they decided not to do it, you still want the option to do it. And so they have until July 5th, uh, basically before the transfer window opens to declare him on the season ending injury list. I imagine that's a formality and it already happened. So I think people should stop worrying about that. I don't think that's well, an issue. To answer the question directly is is how many t what was it how many teams would allow the coach to to yeah to, uh huh yep uh, for a big club like the Galaxy very very few but this is a special situation because there was so much stuff going on around the team that they had to clean up first and they should have done it earlier they should it should have never got to the stage the thing that you talked about about the players and coaches too having to answer questions about the fan boycott and all and by the way I, I think we're both in agreement that the fan boycott was absolutely justified and probably yes. needed to happen uh -huh. but i've talked to athletes in every sport that i've ever covered you know archery water polo whatever they to a person they all say the same thing we cannot worry or think about the things that we cannot control right okay and that's why they're good athletes they focus on what they can control so when you're coming to them and say what do you think of the fan boycott what do you think should happen to chris klein what do you think things that they can't control it, it's just like malfunction you know it's like a computer that gets wet it's not going to work they don't think that way they don't have an opinion on that and if they do and they express it a lot of times it comes out wrong right. it's because they can't control that so it's not something that they think about yeah, no, it, it's it's super, super interesting. I'm, I'm very interested to see how it goes down. I really think front office moves happen before Vandy goes anywhere. So I think if you're looking for a timeline, and this is a prediction on my on my side, I think if you're looking for a timeline, you would see somebody actually be put in as a president or even an interim president into the soccer side of things that then would have control over those decisions. Um, and I don't see that happening before the end of the season. Um, I just think it's going to be a, a slower and more deliberate move than people expect it to be. I would think that the LA Galaxy already had several candidates for president lined up, ready to go because they saw this coming. Um, but they're also the ones who gave Chris Klein a multi-year contract extension after he was uh, he was uh, fingered as the guy who who was caught cheating, uh, along with possibly Dennis DeClosa and Gamer Barrascoloto, although they never specifically call out and name uh, some of those guys. So really interesting. Well, and an example to look at how it works. And Matt Crocker was hired by U.S. Soccer as their as the general manager of the men's national team. He got hired in April, uh, and his first task was you need to find a coach. And and then we just found out, you know, this <laughs> weekend, that Greg, yeah, Greg Berhalter, which by the way is the absolute right decision. I know I'm going to get a lot of hate mail about that, but having been around the team, listening to the players, how much they love playing for him, that was the right decision. But my point is, the timeline: two months. 
if the Galaxy were to hire a president and say, your first role is to look at the coaching situation. Do we need a change? Do we not? Right. What should we do? It, it, it can happen. It could happen by the end of the season. Right. I, I really think Greg Vanny needs to go into the winter and needs to be safe into the winter. Let him sort of try to figure this out. You know, come on, be realistic. They're not going to win the Supporter Shield this year anyways. I don't say right off the season. They get in the playoffs and do some damage. But I don't think um, – I, I think we've it, it let it fester a little bit too long to think we can save the season with a coaching change now. Yeah, and also I, I know because, you know, um, uh, I believe it was Walter. Walter saying, you know, hey, bring in Patrick Vieira, bring in Jesse Marsh, you know, bring in Ezra. Ezra, who just completely fell flat on his face coaching Chicago with very little support, I will say. But at the same time, you're going to go get somebody who just fell flat on their face at, at a team that has much less uh, expectations in the LA Galaxy. Uh, if you bring in Jesse Marsh, completely change the system, throw all your players out. Re complete, he completely rebuilt over the next two to three years because that's what Jesse Marsh does. Um, you know, yeah, you could do a lot of things. Um, but again, how does it fit with what the LA Galaxy are currently constructed to do? And people think that there are no pieces to build off of, and there are lots of contracts that are coming back next year. Um, so while the designated player spots should open up at least two of them with Chicharito, but depending on what they do for a replacement, maybe not, uh, Douglas Costa looks like his will be open. Um, but certainly it's now the Douglas Costa show, right? He's the one who has to be out there showing that he's going to be committed and doing all those things. But I'm saying is that you need to find somebody who fits in with what you're already doing. And will you continue what Greg Vanny has already started with the infrastructure stuff in order to support the things that you're going to do on the field? It's not just a matter of bringing in some somebody new um, because I've seen that. I've actually seen that multiple times, uh, many, many times. I will tell you the stupidest decision I ever made in 2014, the LA Galaxy won an MLS Cup. Uh, they were invited to go to the White House uh, as a member of the press. I was able to apply for credentials and there was a good likelihood I would have been approved because I was a local LA Galaxy press person who has been covering them. So I could have gone to the White House and seen President Obama you know, and, and talk with the team. And I think they did it with the LA Kings that year too. I think that was a, the double. So what, how much fun would that have been? Cause you know what dumb, dumb me said, Oh, don't worry. They'll be back. I'll go next time. So just remember, uh, so you jinxed it. Oh, it was me. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, they'll be back like in the next couple of years. They'll be back. It's fine. They, look how good this team is. They couldn't possibly not win for since 2014. Now I actually have the number of days somewhere and I keep doing the, going to going to look at it. But yeah, I mean, something has to be happening. And if you're going to buy, hire a general manager, then hire a general manager. But guess what? You're not hiring a general manager before you hire a president. So president's coming first. All of these things have an order to them. President hires the GM. GM decides on whether or not he keeps Vanny. Vanny drops down and reports to a GM and then a president. Does Greg Vanny want to stay under that situation and those types of things? So, it, the amount of the different machinations of things that you could go through right now would be rather crazy. Um, I, I like the names that, that were suggested, though. Um, Vieira, Mar I don't know how well they fit, but the, I like the idea that, you know, that the, the, the caller just mentioned. It's, it, this is a big club with aspirations, and it needs to think about those kinds of coaches. But I would suggest one other name that's a real wild card, and I don't think he would come back, but I think he would fit in really nice and do a good job, and that would be Dave Sarekin. I love Dave Sarekin. So anytime Dave wants Dave, Dominic Kinnear, um, some of those guys that uh, I think didn't get a chance that are ready to prove themselves, Dave Sarekin in a heartbeat. By the way, one of the smartest coaches you'll ever talk to in a very, very Former good Former coach of the year. Yeah, he was with Chicago Fire, right? Was that? Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Uh, people are also asking before we get into this game here, Kevin, uh, they're also asking about uh, the rumor. There's a rumor out there that the LA Galaxy are interested in 29 year old uh, Uruguayan forward Nicholas Lopez, who currently plays for Tigres. Uh, I, I don't know if I mean, 
I talk about it enough. I would imagine there are enough people educated on the restrictions that the LA Galaxy have that you would look at that and then look at when his contract expires and say, oh, well, that can't happen because that's what basically this is. His contract doesn't expire until 1231 uh, of 23, right? So not until December, uh, the end of the year. So remember, the LA Galaxy have two choices to add to their rosters. Uh, they can they can get somebody uh, before the window starts as a free agent. They can get somebody after the window starts as a free agent, or they can get somebody from inside the league as a uh, as a transfer inside the league because they have the ITC ban that affects them. Uh, we've been over this multiple times. So one next time anybody even comes up and thinks about a rumor sit there and say, when does their contract expire? So no, not a Chicharito replacement unless they're looking at them in the wintertime. The only other way that this can make sense, Kevin, is if Tigres and the player decided that they wanted to mutually terminate the contract. And with that mutual termination, he became a free agent. And with that free agent, he could then sign for the LA Galaxy outside the window. That is the only way that you could get this guy. Now, having said all that, seems like a perfectly fine player. Uh, apparently, his salary is is fairly high. And I was reading some reports that that's one of the reasons that moving him might be difficult. is because his salary is high. But it also sounds like Tigres wants to move him so they can get something. So a transfer fee of some sort before he leaves for free at the end of the year. So, again, that doesn't really line up with anything the LA Galaxy are capable of doing. The only way I could possibly see of circumventing any rules is the Colorado Rapids sign him and then the LA Galaxy transfer for him inside the league after they sign him. But I think I don't think that would happen. I think a better place, a more productive place for fans to look would be anything dealing with inner Miami. Now, we know Messi's coming. That contract should so they're be They're going to get Messi. That's what you're, you're telling, you're yeah, telling Messi. That's what I heard, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I I heard Fox News that unlike David Beckham, who learned to speak English when he came here, Messi right. does not speak English. Yet, so, David, which is fi fine in Miami, by the way. I, I was going to say anybody who talked to David Beckham knows very well he didn't speak English whenever he was here. So yes, but so Messi coming and and apparently it's now Messi and friends that Busquets looks like he's coming. There could be some more players coming. It's just not messy. This is it, this is going to be very difficult. A team that's already been caught cheating, by the way, uh, is trying to make the salary thing work. I think there's going to be a lot of moving parts in Miami when they bring these players in. They're going to have first of all, they're going to have to to move players to create playing spots for them. They're not going to pay someone a designated player salary or or, or uh, a TAM salary to sit on the bench. So to bring these players in, they're going to have to create some salary space. They're going to have to create space in the lineup. I think Inter-Miami is going to have a fire sale coming up really soon. A lot of good players will be available. Do they all come to the Galaxy? No. But let's say player A goes to Chicago or player A goes to Kansas City. Then that displaces the Kansas City player. There will be player movement in MLS in the next Four to six weeks. No. Maybe sooner. No, 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 yeah. no, Kevin. I was told specifically before this happened that nobody would do to do anything with the LA Galaxy because they want to screw the LA Galaxy. That's what it is. It's all well, about they're not gonna was, get any they're not that gonna get me. any international slots, Kevin. They're not gonna get any players because nobody everybody knows the galaxy need to do something inside. It's like the other it's like a static environment where nobody else needs anything else. See, see how messy changes the game again? Yeah, oh, yeah. It was, it was just messy that changes the it game. It's messy. Yeah, messy changed the, everything. There aren't going to be mind. any other teams in Major League Soccer who are bringing in a designated player from outside of the league that are going to have to move somebody from inside the league, and that's never going to happen. Again, the, the fallacy that fans continue to believe in that international slots are going to be too expensive for the LA Galaxy to afford because everybody knows the LA Galaxy need them, except that other teams don't use them. So they want to sell them for any amount of money they can get. So it's market driven. 
It's just supply and demand. That's it. It's supply and demand. And that's easy. If everybody used all their international slots, then maybe there were, the price would go up on one that became available, right? But the bottom line is they don't. And the price has actually stayed pretty stable throughout the years on international slots. So it's almost a known quantity how much you're going to pay for one. All right. Same thing with the, the movement that happens inside the league. People are going to want to move guys because they're going to want to bring somebody else in. The LA Galaxy get to evaluate the guys that are going to get moved and whether or not they can trade or bring somebody in. And maybe you can convince somebody to get rid of somebody who's on an ex expiring contract to come in because they're going to replace them with another person from outside the league. There's going to be lots of movement and the LA Galaxy will get to participate in the summer transfer window, which is while handcuffed, certainly. Uh, they have one hand they have one hand handcuffed to the bed. They're still able to move around and and walk around the bed and do stuff, but they have one handcuff to the bed. Um, wow, handcuffed to the bed. Where well, where are we going? With I don't this? know. I don't know, but I'm just saying like they I don't I don't know. Anyway. Well, I, yeah. I, I hope that when they go out and use whatever signings they're able to make, I I hope they sign for need. Uh, there's been a lot of I mean they they brought in a lot of defenders uh we're, the the team is pretty well stacked on the back line. I think we they have good holding midfielders. Uh, they, they need wingers and a forward, that's a striker it. now. Yep, that's it. Wingers and a striker, mm -hmm. and wingers first and a striker second. I think I, I I would say they need someone to get the ball to Dayon more than they need someone to compete with Dayon for that job. I mean, sure, whatever. We can argue about that all the time. The dude gets has had starting minutes through this entire season and has has, has not shown it. And then everybody wants to pretend like him scoring in international duty is some revelation. Uh, it's not. He did it as a sub, which is how he always scores his goals. I think instead of trying to make Dion uh, or Dayon the uh, the the starter to the next guy, he just embraces his role as probably one of the world's most dangerous super subs because that's what he's been over the amount of time. It's like trying to make Alan Gordon just into something else, right? Alan Gordon was a super sub. He was really good at what he did, and yes, he fell into that later in his career. Um, but he was more successful as a super sub than he ever was really as I, I think a full out starter. Yeah. But, but as a winger, uh, the reason I think they need yeah. a winger is they need to play wide and they can't play, play wide if they're flying with one wing. And right now, it, now if Douglas Costa starts to play, but he's, he loves to cut in Tyler Boyd is really their only wide player right now. And I think they need someone on the other side if they're going to try to stretch the field. Um, and so I would, you know, if I'm the galaxy, I'd go get that wide player first. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't listen. I think, they, I think they need both. And it's not going to be, it's going to be one of those things that I don't think you have a successful transfer window or a successful summer if you don't get both. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see what they prioritize in that. What comes first? I actually think the winger is probably easier to find. Um, and then I don't know, they could DP a winger. Right. Because remember, if you're going to find sign somebody to replace Chicha, you could sign a designated player. So you could DP a winger and then find a Tam striker that you know that you're going to buy a DP striker whenever Douglas Costa's contract comes out. I know there's people, I think, who 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 faint at the idea of the L.A. Galaxy going out and and possibly signing a designated player to a, a longer term contract right now. But I think if you have the right guy in the right place that you think is is going to go for it, that that's that's probably the move is to get some guy for the next two two and a half years. But the Galaxy have had a and granted, just a new a new you know leadership structure in, in place. But although Vanny, you know, his first few DPs, I mean, you look Grant, you know, uh, uh, Cabral was not a good DP signing. 
Um, Chicharito turned out to be okay. Douglas Cost was not a good DP signing. There's been more, uh, I think, misses than hits lately with yeah. DP signings. Yeah, uh, Patrick says, don't sign a DP before the new GM is hired. Well, like, you're also, I, I can understand why you're doing that. I get it. But there's a structure set in place right now to be able to evaluate players. And they've been doing a pretty good job whenever you look at bringing in, um, you know, Caligari and Julian Alde. I, I think that they have both played played very well. Um, I think that they've gone out and gone some some smart moves in those cases. So, you know, don't handcuff people. Also, as a soccer team, um, you need to win games. And it doesn't matter if you like pretending that you're going to just not care about the rest of the season is is ludicrous. Um, there's still plenty of season left to play in which the L.A. Galaxy can can actually fight for a playoff spot. It's still not that ridiculous to say. Um, but it's like that stuff has to start change now. So if you're going to handcuff somebody and say, oh, you don't get any DPs, you you only get one DP that's going to play regularly because Douglas Costa's total question mark. So we're just giving you Ricky Pooj, which, by the way, he isn't a full DP. He's a lower level DP that makes X number of you know, dollars basically per year. So we're not even giving you a superstar player or the guy that we want to spend the big bucks on. Um, but then go out and win games. Go go about. We, you just lost your star striker that was supposedly going to be good for it, It's crazy to think, Kevin, I, I'm not overly concerned that that Chicharito's not going to be playing because I don't think he was I, this season wasn't it for him. Um, he wasn't there and maybe it was a year too long and everything else. So it's almost like, well, the Galaxy almost got a, a little bit lucky with the chance that they might be able to reload this summer instead of having to wait for the winter on Chicharito. And again, participate in a giant summer transfer. So those are just my thoughts on it. I know that's uh, lots of people. But yeah, um, think about that stuff. Season ending injury list, all the replacements. Greg Vanny, who gets to sign things. This is complicated, um, but I don't think Dan Beckerman's going to tell Greg Vanny he can't go out and sign players. I don't think that's happening. So um, I expect fully that the Galaxy are full participants in the in the summer transfer window. Absolutely, hundred percent before and after. So no, no graphics today. You haven't thrown any graphics up there. I've thrown lots of graphics up. You just haven't paid any attention. No, uh, you did the schedule. That was the only one you did. You didn't do the. Little, I like, did. Like, I did the Gold Cup one. Oh, you remember that one? Schedule. That schedule. That's, I mean, yeah, you, but you, that and then uh, the, the stuff we were really getting ready to talk about is the LA Galaxy versus oh, okay. Sporting Kansas City, which I already showed at the beginning. Uh, well, LA Galaxy. Do the, the downtown like sky skyline, the San Diego skyline one. I don't. That's my favorite. Yeah, I don't. I don't have that one because they didn't play any games, okay. so it didn't change since the last time we did it. Um, basically, LA Galaxy Sporting Kansas City coming up, Dignity Health Sports Park, uh, June twenty first, twenty twenty three, seven thirty, seven thirty nine is your kickoff time. So nine minute lead in, normal with uh, MLS season pass on Apple TV. That's where you can find it. So this one is behind the paywall. If we look, uh, Sporting Kansas City is unbeaten in five straight meetings with the LA Galaxy, winning three, drawing two, including a scoreless draw. At Children's Mercy Park on March 11th, Sporting has lost only two of its last 15 meetings with the Galaxy, dating back to late 2015. Um, and the LA Galaxy have lost four of their last six regular season matches, winning two, including a one nothing defeat to Charlotte in their last home match after previously after going unbeaten in their previous seven in Carson, dating back to last year, win three, draw four. Uh, LA last failed to score in consecutive regular season home games in uh, May 2019. And then when it, Sporting Kansas City has won one of its last 18 away matches in all competitions, drawing eight, losing nine. Uh, dating back to mid-July last year, though it did draw 1-1 at Vancouver in its last road game, Sporting hasn't avoided defeat in two straightaway matches since September 2022, with the first of those a draw at the LA Galaxy. So there's some history there in terms of some things that are going on. The LA Galaxy have not beaten Sporting Kansas City in a very long time. Now, I was going to say, and I did even say it, Sporting Kansas City, one of the hottest teams in Major League Soccer right now. We know that. Um, as a matter of fact, um, 
They're 5-2-2 two, and two in their last nine games. That's all league games, right? And Sporting Kansas City is in 10th place, seven points ahead of the LA Galaxy. So you look at all this and you say, okay, this is a hot team. Now, they hosted LAFC on the weekend, so you are getting the advantage that Sporting Kansas City played at home um, and that they played a game on the weekend, and now they have to travel out to Los Angeles to play. So the Galaxy got rest over the weekend. Sporting Kansas City had to play uh, in a game in which they lost 2-1 to one on, I'm going to say it's a smart play. Um, by LAFC instead of everybody blaming the defender who did start running back to cover his space and put a player offside uh, in the 90th minute of the game after he'd been sprinting and playing all game and didn't quite get back to the line in time for Vela to sort of just get the ball played over the top to him and score a goal. It seems like it was a gift and lots of people want to say it was a gift and that it was a complete and total utter defensive mistake. I'm going to say it was actually rather smart play by LAFC to put that ball back in when it did with the the trailing defender sort of uh, a little bit, not even out of position. He had to go there to cover an attacking player in order in earlier in that spot. So um, I will say that uh, that Sporting Kansas City was more dangerous on offense in that game. I like them better in transitions in that game, which is interesting because they really did have most of the possession. Um, as a matter of fact, I can show you their possession right here. Uh, 63.2% of the possession over LAFC. Um, this is at Sporting Kansas City. And I think that they are a more possession-based team, Kevin, whenever they're at home. On the road, I think they're going to be defer a little bit. So the LA Galaxy should be able to have the ball. But the big thing is that I thought they were good in transitions. And when you're talking about transitions, I think that's where they're going to have a chance to exploit the LA Galaxy, as we have seen um, in a lot of the games. It's how they handle the transition moments. Against St. Louis, I thought the Galaxy were excellent in transitional moments. Um, really, really good. And so if they keep that up, I think this is a game the LA Galaxy should win over Sporting Kansas City. Being at home, they're short They're short on rest. The big question, of course, Chris Mavinga, Sega Koulibaly, who sort of fits in for Jalen Neal when he's out with Gold Cup. And is he already gone with Gold Cup um, right now as we speak? Or will he actually be available for this game and then depart for the Gold Cup? I did not see anybody. I thought there was, wasn't there supposed to be a, a media day today, Kevin? Wasn't Didn't I see a... See a thing, or is that for no, tomorrow? Galaxy came out of schedule, but I did not look at it because I knew it couldn't go anywhere today. Yeah, I mean, this is true. Um, I will look it up because I actually have it here. Uh, weekly schedule. Well, the U.S. opens on Saturday. I would be surprised if Jalen Neal was allowed to play, but it wouldn't be beyond the Gold Cup. Yeah. Gold Cup. Yeah, on go, Saturday. What did I say? Saturday. U.S. Open. Oh yeah. Yeah, not that. Yeah. yeah. U.S. Open was just last weekend at in in L.A. First time they've been here in like five decades. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, so we'll see sort of how that fits in. Uh, Sega Kulabali, uh, Chris Mavinga. We'll see if Dayon Jovalich makes it back or if the Galaxy play shorthanded. I'll tell you right now, Sporting Kansas City looked good with Danny Polito up top. Um, did, did I tell you I knew a guy in high school whose name was Danny Polito? He taught me. He, he was a senior. I was a freshman. This was the baseball, uh, the the on the baseball team. We were traveling to a game because I got called up to be uh, a replacement for a second baseman who had flunked out of uh of the team and so i was coming up to be a starting second baseman for the for the varsity team um i guess that was my sophomore year sophomore year that's when it happened and danny polito's there and he's like hey don't worry you're gonna do great and this guy was like a god he played football did all the stuff was the popular guy i was like oh my god danny polito's talking to me uh, and then he taught me the best joke ever are you ready for the best joke ever what do you Go call ahead. what do you call a fish with no eyes there it is that's that's that's, that's it? the best joke ever. I love it. Well, I mean, the best joke I can tell on here. And it took me like a week to get it. But once I got it, I thought it was funny. So I still tell that joke all the time. So anyway, what high school did you go to um, Newport Harbor High School, Newport Harbor High School. 
And yeah, and yeah, Alan Polito is is correct. I always say Danny Polito because I'm like, oh, it's Danny Polito. That's why I always get him confused. So, um, but anyway, so Polito. Anyway, back to yeah, soccer. Yeah, back to soccer. So Polito <laughs> um, is playing very well for them, and that that was sort of the case. He was injured, um, and he was sort of getting back. And Sporting Kansas City was struggling, and they weren't finding him. And Vermees was on the edge of getting fired, and all this other stuff. And you're talking about a guy who's an institution at Sporting Kansas City. I mean, there's nothing in that organization that he doesn't touch very much in the in the vein of Bruce Arena whenever he takes over stuff. So he had uh, Alan Polito there. He had the ability to sort of say that things were going to get better. And what do you know? Things got better for them. So they are looking a lot more dangerous. Um, just in, in terms of how they're playing and how they're scoring goals, all that stuff. You can look at the expected goals in this game, um, and it's it's fairly evident that Sporting Kansas City probably should have had another goal in this game, at least, and that then that uh, LAFC shouldn't have had two. Um, very much so in 16 shots, seven shots on target for Sporting Kansas City. So they're putting a lot of balls on frame. They're looking dangerous. I like how this uh, passing chart has showed them a little cheated to the left. So they're going to be running, I think, at Caligari a little bit more with Polito sort of leading some of that stuff out and, and being the central attacker coming through there. So again, watch how this game plays out. I think this is a very difficult game for the LA Galaxy. But as we were talking about, Kevin, there's an emotional side to this team and the emotions probably help out in this particular case having uh the fans back having the supporters groups back having everybody together for the first time basically since the boycott started at the beginning of the season this is the time when that pressure finally really gets released off their shoulders this is the time that we see whether or not you know the fans make the difference or not which i think that they can especially in this but, game you know you talk about those statistics you know kansas city dominated possession dominated shots put seven shots on goal they didn't score from the run of play their only goal came on a penalty Polito scored on a penalty so they didn't score from the run of play um it i, I think it's a huge game for the galaxy um building out the momentum of st louis is one part but I think Wednesday is going to have a celebratory feel. I yes. think people are going to be happy to be back. Yes. I think, you know, the, the whole Klein episode, hit, you know, that's in the rearview mirror now. People want to move on. Um, the players want to move on. I think if from the team, there's going to be a huge sigh of relief. From the fans, it's going to be a very celebratory thing. If the team then lays an egg right. and loses, oh. especially if they lose like three to one. Mm -hmm. I mean, if it's, you know, a 90th minute goal, you can kind of go, oh, it got away from us. But if they if they are dominated and, and and they lose a game where they look bad, um, that is not going to be a good sign because this is where they need to start turning things around. This is the as you said the season ahead of them. I still believe the team is good enough. If they get in the playoffs, they can make a run. They got to get there. To get there, they got to start winning games. Um, again, I think this week could be a four point week, um, but that means they can't lose this game. <sighs> It, it, it puts a lot of pressure on this team, but this is the pressure I think they want, right? This We talked about the other pressure and things that have sort of been weighing them down. They are now free to do things that they're that they're meant to do, which is play soccer and uh, enjoy the adoring fans. I don't know how many people are going to be at this game tonight, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's somewhere between 18 and 20,000 people, which I think is a boost to what a Wednesday night game normally is. And if that's the case, the place will be plenty loud. And I can't wait to see everybody there. It's going to be nice to not have to have that, like, that monkey on everybody's shoulder, right? That that big gorilla on everybody. That feels like there was Cos always yeah. Cosmo pounding, pounding on the boards. Yeah, maybe Cosmo can stop pounding on the boards because it still just freaks me out. I don't like it. Um, I love Cosmo, but that was especially in a like hollow stadium, which is really what it was. Um, it was it was interesting. To, to hey, what's the Papusa situation in midweek games? I didn't check. 
I don't know that it will be available. So you might. Oh. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, so anyway, we'll see. Uh, we'll see exactly where uh, where the galaxy land on this one. Again, the L.A. Galaxy hosting Sporting Kansas City coming up at on uh, Wednesday, June 21st, uh, 7.30 p.m., 7.39 p.m. is your kickoff on MLS Season Pass, or you're going to be at the stadium with us, and we'll be glad to see you there. Um, happy Father's Day to everybody. Happy Father's Day, Kevin. Happy Father's Day to all our listeners. I hope everybody had a good weekend. I spent, uh, let's see, I spent 10 hours riding around on miniature trains uh, over the two days and, and made it a total of 40 miles, in case you were wondering, 43 miles-ish. Somewhere Shouldn't there. you have been spending time with your kids? I mean, I was spending time with lots of kids. That's what I think. These are all okay. my children. Uh, and my son, my son can handle the trains for about 45 minutes. And he's like, I'm bored. I'm out of here. You know, that's what happens whenever you give the kid a giant train set to play with. He's he's done. But yes, I knew you were a father, but people tell me you're a real mother sometimes. I've heard that, too. I've heard that, too. So anyway, uh, anything else? We good? I had nothing to start as it was obvious yeah, as we the, went along. The, I thought the whole you know, my arms are tired thing was pretty much the highlight of the whole show. And that <laughs> happened in the first 30 seconds. See, if I said that, I get a lot of crap and you say that and you, now you've mentioned it three times. You think it's a funny joke. I think <laughs> it's a horrible joke that I like to play off as being horrible that you would say. And then everybody thinks that I'm funny for making fun of you for thinking that's funny. See, it's a whole, it's a complex thing. You really have you to There do. was one listener that said I was, I was, uh, what was, a? Uh, I was effortlessly funny. <laughs> effortlessly I'm, funny. Somebody did that was say like that. three years ago. I'm still hanging on to that one. They hit their head on a door jam before they said it. That's really what the problem was. So, um, all right. Obviously. I think that does it. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Hopefully we'll see you out on Wednesday. It should be a lot of fun and we're glad to see you. Happy Father's Day again. Belated. Uh, happy belated birthday, by the way, to Mr. Eric as well, the hammer. Um, I went to his birthday party, uh, not this Friday, but the Friday before, uh, had a wonderful time. I don't know if he remembers any of it, but I'm sure he had a wonderful time too. So that was this big one, 40th. Uh, happy birthday to him. Maybe I didn't even get an invite. Yeah, of course you didn't. That's that was. A, I don't. I don't know why you're surprised. I would have flown in for that. My arms would have been tired. Your arms would have been tired. Absolutely. All right. Uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at kbaxter11. Head on over to latimes.com where you can find him. Of course, at uh, all of his soccer writing, he did Nations League. I'm sure he's going to cover the Gold Cup, even though he says it's a lot of soccer time, and his arms will still be tired as he flies around. Uh, so make sure you follow to latimes.com. If you're looking for me on Twitter at jgesman at galaxy podcast and of course corner the galaxy.com is where you can find us great thank you for coming back we appreciate it nice little break glad to be here we have a game on wednesday then we have a show on thursday then a game on what saturday again is it saturday sunday i don't know we'll catch it up on thursday all right for mr kevin the panda baxter i'm josh patrick guessman you've been listening you've been watching to corner the galaxy from the box on corner the galaxy.com have a great one everybody you've been listening to the corner of the galaxy podcast on corner of the galaxy.com you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody. <laughs>